0: Welcome back to P.S. Voice, where P.S. contributors speak with the newspapers that publish them. In this episode, former editor-in-chief of The Economist, Bill Emmett, speaks with Niels Teegesen, an eminent economist who chairs the European Fiscal Board, about EU monetary integration and the future of the Eurozone. In this first section, we evaluate the Eurozone's past.
1: So, Niels, critics of the, of the Euro area, of which there are many, have characterized it as being a one of deep division between debtors and creditors, even a debtor's prison on the one side from the debtor's point of view and the creditors feeling that it's a place where the debtors steal their money. Looking at 2016, which is what your report has studied uh, and made recommendations about, How do you think this division has evolved? Are we still with that extreme divide?
0: The divide is clearly less extreme than it was at the depths of the crisis in 2011 to 13, uh, when uh, everybody was consolidating their public finances, uh, weak and strong countries. Uh, Since then, we've had steady growth, uh, modest uh, but still uh, sustained uh, now for almost five years, four years at least. And uh, during that period, of course, tensions have eased somewhat. Uh, now, uh, uh, all countries, except one or two, have uh, surpluses on current account on external account. Uh, they have greatly reduced their public deficits from about 6% to one5 I think, for the euro area as a whole by now. And uh, that clearly shows up in 2016 also, that there was a reasonably good uh, economic performance. And that obviously eases the tension But it is still there because of the uh, legacy of the crisis and the very different levels of debt and difficulties that that debt has uh, left the countries with.
1: One of the legacies of that uh, crisis and of the cutting that uh, your report very interestingly highlights is that while there has been a lot of reduction of deficits and and, uh, even some countries of debt, much of the reduction in public expenditure has been found in public investment. Uh, And indeed, you point out that public investment in the euro area is is at its lowest level since 1995. From a layman's point of view, at least, uh, that sounds like the opposite of what Europe needs.
0: Uh, It is indeed the opposite of what Europe needs, and uh, it's also the natural political reaction when you have a crisis. it is easier to postpone uh, public uh, investment expenditures uh, than to uh, cut back or restrain in some way uh, public consumption, notably public salaries, uh, pensions. But clearly uh, investments uh, are important, uh, both because they generate demand and they generate demand more effectively, in fact, than uh, increasing pensions or even public consumption, and they also uh, generate supply capacity for the future, which is essential to Europe's growth. So the fact that uh, public investment is, as you say, lower as a ratio of total uh, GDP than it has been for 20 years is a source of concern.
2: An important thing that your report mentioned is that Germany, for example, didn't use its fiscal space. How should we do, how should we change the rule to make it possible, knowing that very often the governments are reluctant to use this uh, fiscal space?
0: Fiscal space is uh, a very interesting concept. It's difficult to measure exactly what it is. Uh, The Germans will say we have more or less full employment. Uh, On the other hand, uh, the German economy has a very large external surplus and it has public finances that have performed better than they had undertaken to perform. Uh, But the problem with the European uh, rules, if you regard it as a problem, it certainly is that uh, these uh, aims for the public finances, uh, they are targets for those that perform worse uh, than the targets. But uh, they're not targets in the sense that if you perform better, you have some space that you can use. Uh, But we see, after all, uh, in the German debate, as in the Dutch debate now. Uh, this year, when both of these countries have had elections, that this, con- this issue is coming to the fore and, and uh, there will no doubt be some correction of the investment shortfall, which is uh, particularly notable in, in the German case.
2: key question for the future and for the potential growth, we know that if, for example, Germany don't invest enough in its infrastructure, it could be a problem for uh, its growth. How could we? put a bit more pressure on, on this country and the other ones to be sure that they invest enough in their own uh, infrastructure.
1: I mean, we have a, a, a so-called excessive deficit procedure. Shouldn't there be an excessive surplus procedure? For
0: example. That is always a problem in international agreements. Mm. At the global level, uh, There was not much pressure on countries in surplus at the global level, the United States originally, Germany, Japan at times. In Europe, uh, there's the same uh, problem that uh, rules uh, apply to countries that are not behaving as well as they should. They're not constraining those that perform better from going even further into surpluses on the fiscal side and on the uh, balance of payment side. But we do suggest a somewhat more symmetrical uh, Uh, system in the future where also uh, fiscal space uh, is used more regularly than has been the case so far.
1: One of the strange things about the Eurozone from a a layman's point of view is that you've got two targets, deficits and debt, and overall levels of public debt. Which do you think it's actually better to target? I mean, most economics textbooks tell you you should should (laughs) focus on one target
0: and not several. That is true. Uh, uh, Debt is, in a way, the logical target if your main aim is to preserve long-term budget sustainability, uh, soundness of public finances. But debt is a long-term concept, and and, uh, measures of sustainability of public finances are also subject to considerable uncertainty. So the argument for also looking at the deficit is, of course, that uh, the deficit is a way of controlling the evolution of, of debt. Uh, initially uh, one had chose to have both because uh, there was a lot of off balance accounting yeah. also among governments uh, the germans for example had their uh, unification costs going into debt without going through the deficit so it, it was fairly it was useful to look at both at the same time but to uh, certainly rely on both but you you are right that uh, it it would in a way be logical to focus more exclusively on on debt
1: from a uh creditors point of view, and you look at Italy at 132 point something percent of GDP, their, their public debt, and of course Greece at 178, nearly 180 percent, how on earth can those be called sustainable levels? There's, they seem extraordinarily high still.
0: They have become almost sustainable in this extraordinary period we've had of, of uh, monetary accommodation and interest rates uh, on public debt that are near zero. The borrowing costs are so low. Uh, And uh, in the the evolution over the past few years uh, of public finances, this factor has played an important role that the uh, cost of servicing the debt has gone down fast. So the Italians and uh, the Greeks also will say, well, uh, uh, we're not paying more than we used to pay in terms of servicing the debt. uh, so uh, it, it may still be sustainable but I think uh, this is uh, certainly a short-term view because uh, we are not guaranteed that these interest rates will uh, will last and and they will they will not last they will rise slowly uh, but so we have time to, uh, to correct it but clearly uh, figures uh, well in excess of, of hundred are very suspect in a long-term perspective
2: and now the eurozone's future
1: Marie coming from France and from Le Monde, um what would you like to ask uh, President, uh, Professor Tigerson about President Macron's proposals for reforming the Eurozone?
2: Yes, Mr. Macron thinks we should go toward a more federal Eurozone with a, a common um, finance minister, a common budget. Uh, do you think it's a good idea that, that we should go there? Uh, are the states ready for this idea?
0: I think uh, President Macron has a better chance of succeeding in this effort than uh, any of his predecessors but there are still important uh, differences of opinion as to what should a European finance minister in fact do what kind of authority should he have uh, in the german view still a german uh, european minister of finance would mainly have the authority to uh, in a sense, uh, arbitrate and override uh, national budgetary decisions that went beyond a basically rules-based system, whereas the French view is uh, on the collective uh, uh, policy uh, uh, joint initiative, a joint stabilization function. Uh, I think, in fact, we need uh, some elements of of both. Uh, We need still some reliance on the rules, but we need also... that is the lesson from the crisis that in extraordinary times uh, we do need to be able to take some action at the European level before the crisis breaks out.
1: So over to you on the central fiscal capacity. What would you like to ask?
2: Uh, It's an interesting idea, how how could it work and uh, how could we be sure that it improves the uh, world functioning of the Eurozone and how could we finance it, how could we finance it also?
1: I mean, and, and just adding to that, I mean, the, the, a central fiscal capacity, I mean, what, how, would, how would we recognize that it, that it exists in, in the Eurozone? I mean, how will it work? Yeah. But also, this is a, a Euro, an EU budget able to, to spend and
0: borrow. There are various ways in which one Mm. can finance uh, something like a central fiscal capacity. One way is is through borrowing, in fact, uh, Mm. joint borrowing, and and then investing in in, uh, projects in different countries. There's already a touch of that uh, in the so-called Juncker plan of public investment, encouraging public investment, and and, uh, ideas that go uh, in the direction of of, uh, protecting uh, public investment against the kind of fall during difficult periods that uh, we discussed before is indeed one such way of building up a central capacity. Uh, uh, and, and that may be, uh, in, in, in the shorter term, uh, the, the easiest way, because it doesn't raise complicated issues of transfers between countries. So I think uh, not only Jacques Law, but even people who preceded him proposed it uh, is a joint uh, unemployment reinsurance fund, where you mm-hmm. top up, up somehow, uh, employment performance that is particularly... Uh, bad uh, during a recession uh, in countries relative to their normal levels of employment. But it creates uh, considerable measurement problems also to judge when is the appropriate time to do such uh, an effort. But that, that is clearly one that could help to stabilize. Uh, there's also the idea of having, a, of course, the most ambitious idea in a way of increasing the European Euro-area budget or the European Union budget as a whole, as President Juncker has suggested in his latest uh, State of the Union speech, uh, where you then have uh, funds for, in a sense, more on a more discretionary basis at the European level, deciding where to advance uh, public expenditure in different countries.
1: Well, do you support that proposal of President We Junkers? We
0: uh, give it, uh, in a sense, at the moment, the benefit of the doubt. We say the most realistic in the short term is probably this investment protection scheme. Mm. Uh, the others seem to require a bit more work on, on calculating the possible effects, how it, how it would work. But it, it could be done.
1: So right now, even as we talk, uh, the parties in Germany are sitting down negotiating a new coalition between the Christian Democrats and CSU and the Greens and the, the, the Free Democrats. This topic of uh, an EU budget, of a Eurozone finance minister, of, of, uh, of uh, central fiscal capacity, how will that figure in their discussions, do you think?
0: I have no inside information on that, but it's no doubt going to be a very difficult uh, discussion for uh, for the Germans, uh, uh, some more difficult than, than uh, others, but I think the uh, particularly the idea of, of enlarging the European budget may be uh, difficult.
2: Uh, now the European framework, all these procedures are very complicated uh, for common people, very hard to understand, uh, even for us sometimes. How could could we make this whole framework more transparent, more democratic for people?
0: I think the the lack of of trust in a way in this whole machinery of of the rules-based system is uh, in part due to the conflict between countries that have been in a stronger and a weaker position. And I hope that uh, as growth continues, uh, apparently now for another couple of years at least, uh, this tension will fade a bit away and there will be more consensus on a simplified system of uh, rules which should still be preserved. They are, they are useful. We can probably cannot do without them, but they have become so very complicated and the lack of trust between countries has meant that uh, there's so much involvement uh, of national officials uh, in overseeing this whole system that uh, it is becoming uh, too complex simply uh, to be transparent and understandable, certainly for the outside world.
2: But one of the risks is that when there is growth and things are going better, there is there are less pressures uh, to make reforms. It's one of the problems in Europe. When everything is okay, we are, are less uh, working on improving uh, the fiscal union, the banking union, for example. So You are still uh, optimistic about that?
0: I think uh, the Commission and the government seem to have the priority that... Uh, uh, the first issue to deal with now in the next couple of years will be completing uh, the banking union, which also is potentially a major risk for government finances, of course, uh, if we have uh, another crisis in a few years' time. So I think that that will be a test in in the very short term. But in the meantime, there will be some evolution in the discussion of the f- fiscal rules and the idea of streamlining both the rules and the decision-making process. Uh, maybe along the lines that uh, President Macron has suggested.
1: You made in your report, uh, I thought what seemed to me to be quite a kind of tough or draconian proposal, that um, one way of enforcing these fiscal rules, maybe even in a more transparent way, would be to make uh, the use of EU funds, even existing EU funds, uh, uh, let alone an expanded budget, conditional. or how do you think that would would go that we'd be received in uh, italy say or in uh, in greece or portugal
0: it's a fact of course so far that, uh, that there are sanctions in principle available uh, to the commission can propose them and it's very difficult to vote them down if they are in fact proposed they've never been proposed uh, and uh, that is clearly because uh, in a difficult situation it's not easy to apply a sanction which Uh, worsens the public finances of the countries uh, concerned. So uh, there is the alternative mechanism of using other EU funds, structural funds, that already also exists in a consultation process with the European Parliament in that case. And there is a third possibility since not all countries receive these structural Mm -hmm. funds in large measure to look more generally at the European budget, which would include also agricultural support policies, for example. That would give a much wider basis for, for pressure. It would not go down uh, well, obviously, in countries that were affected or seen as being affected by such a widening of the sanctions mechanism. But if you want to have some effective sanctions, that is the direction you could go. We just mentioned it as a mm. possibility. If you uh, want to have that possibility of sanctions, <coughs> that may be how you have to go. Would that- down well in France? <laughs> no.
2: never is in France. It's <laughs> so uh, um, complicated because often the governments, not only in France, are used to mention Bruxelles as a place where all the problems are coming from. So um, how could we make it work better also on a, on a political point of view between the governments and, and Bruxelles to have better relationships? That
0: that is in a way a paradox that has been with us since the start of Economic and Monetary Union uh, because uh, most governments, particularly most finance ministers, will recognize uh, when they are alone or at least amongst themselves that some external pressure, some external agreement on on what is uh, solid behavior that can assure fiscal sustainability is a constructive step. And uh, that was why these rules were adopted in the first place, also by France and, and Italy. They, they welcomed that. But uh, when you are in a crisis and when you have a high level of debt, of course, uh, the mindset changes a bit. And you are under stronger pressure at home for not observing these rules. Do
1: you think I mean, one thing that uh, could change the, uh, the, the image, as Marie implies, of Brussels being the problem rather than the solution? Could be a really effective me- move on public investment, identifying then Brussels with b- the the, r- the revival of public public investment. W- how would the p- would the protection scheme that you talk about do that? Is the Juncker plan what's needed? But th- how effective is it?
0: I think the Juncker plan is, is a step certainly in the in the right direction and quite a considerable scheme now. has mobilised also a lot of private resources, so it should be. Uh, one that is also appealing to public opinion at home and, and expanding it, going into other areas, uh, uh, could be uh, even more uh, helpful. That is also the appeal, obviously, uh, behind the unemployment insurance fund. That this is something that would make it more uh, appealing to the electorates at home and national the national policy making function. Uh, that something is coming also from from Brussels, but. Something is coming already, of course. Many uh, countries are having very substantial inputs from Brussels, into their investment programs, into uh, uh, structural funds.
2: Uh. When we talk about the future of the eurozone, um, what are the other big challenge uh, according to you? Is it all these reforms? Is it the, the monetary policy which we ha- will have to become more uh, uh, more tough? Uh, is it um, the problems maybe possible coming with uh, Brexit and all this uh, negotiation going on? What are the, the main challenge?
0: I think the, the challenge which is also underlying the discussion we've had on fiscal policy is that we cannot rely in the longer term on the kind of monetary policy we've had for the last uh, five years or so since the European Central Bank uh, made its uh, in a sense declaration that it was prepared to support. National bond markets, if uh, countries were also prepared to accept uh, conditional programs uh, since then, of course, uh, sustainability issues have faded a bit away. We cannot uh, expect that these conditions can continue they may continue for another couple of years, according to the ECB itself. but we must rebalance somewhat the uh, uh, policy mix between fiscal and monetary policy and, and do a little bit more be a little bit more generous on the fiscal side and uh, a little bit less generous on the monetary side, and that that will happen uh, over the next two or three years, I'm sure.
1: Now, one thing that's been, to some viewers, strange about this discussion is that we've had one person from a Euro member country and two from people who are not in the Euro. Now, we know the answer about Britain, but what's the answer about Denmark? Are you going to join the Euro anytime soon?
0: I frankly don't think so, although I think it would be a good idea because (coughs) we are, in contrast to Britain, A country that follows uh, policies in the uh, euro area more closely than many countries in the euro area. We have uh, sound public finances. We have even some external surplus, considerable external surplus. We have interest rates that are fully aligned to those of the ECB, even slightly lower at times. So uh, the the case for joining is not so strong. We have the benefits and we don't have the risks of, of participating maybe in expensive actions mm-hmm. uh, to rescue uh, governments or banks in, in other parts of Europe. So from a cynical point of view, uh, it is uh, understandable, I think, why we're not joining. But it's, it's still regrettable because we're not part of the deliberations uh, in the Union.
1: Yep, something that the British will learn about uh, being outside the, the table where things inf- that influence their own economies are decided. Mm-hmm. So I, we've run out of time, but there's been an excellent discussion. I want to thank Marie Cherelle from Le Monde and Niels Tegersen from University of Copenhagen, but above all from the EU Fiscal Board for being with us today.
2: Thank you very much.